In this episode, I wanted to give you an introduction to Amazon Web Services, commonly referred to as just AWS. AWS is one of the premier cloud providers, which is dramatically changing the way people think about IT. This introductory episode lays the foundation for more advanced AWS episodes to come. So what is cloud computing anyways? Well, on the AWS website, they refer to it as on-demand delivery of IT resources via the internet with pay-as-you-go pricing. I don't think I could have said it better myself. So what does this actually mean? Well, AWS will provide you with remote access to nearly unlimited supply of storage, compute, and database resources at an hourly price. AWS also provides a diverse set of services, things like memcache, queuing, and mail, just to name a few, on a pay-as-you-go pricing model too. Massive online companies are using AWS to run their businesses for good reason. You can literally have your website hosted alongside Netflix, Reddit, or Airbnb, for example. These companies are using the exact same APIs and web interfaces as you. The AWS website actually does a fantastic job of explaining what cloud computing is, so I'm not going to go too crazy about that. But what I did want to review was three examples of pain points in my career which would have become pleasures if AWS was used. In the first example, I was a sysadmin for a fast-growing startup where we typically had a mixture of hardware on-site, co-located in a data center, and dedicated machines where the hardware was looked after by a hosting provider. The company would send out email campaigns for most holidays, things like Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, and Christmas. The result was a large influx of traffic, typically 30 to 40 times what we would normally see, which would dissipate over the following week. Logistically, we would get the campaign schedule and provision boxes by contacting a dedicated hosting provider, companies like Server Beach or LaPlanet, now called Softlayer, and request dedicated machines to augment our existing capacity. Typically, you'd pay roughly a couple hundred dollars per box, per month, and have the machines provisioned within a day or so. The key thing is, you would pay for the month, even though you only needed the machines for maybe a week, while we handled the extra traffic. So let's say we have campaign X and Y, and they have sharp spikes where the traffic picks up and then dwindles over the following week. This dotted line marks the capacity we have online at all times to deal with minor traffic spikes. But to deal with these big email campaigns where we know there's going to be a lot of traffic, we would purchase extra capacity on a monthly basis, which would help cover the spike. There was some voodoo involved in estimating how large the spike would actually be. Sometimes you're right, and sometimes not. It would be costly on either side of the estimate, as with too little capacity, it would take days to provision new machines, and the spike would be gone. Or with too much capacity, you're blowing thousands of dollars on traffic that never arrived. With AWS, this problem is much easier to deal with as you can provision extra capacity through the AWS console using EC2 and have it online within minutes. Or have an auto-scaling group so that the extra capacity will come online without any user intervention. This ultimately leads to graphs that look something like this, where you can provision a bunch of capacity before a campaign, then within hours, due to the AWS charging by the hour, start killing off machines. Same goes for the second spike. This leads to much less waste and better return on your campaigns. Also, with the auto-scaling groups, you can easily deal with traffic spikes that come out of nowhere. In the second example, I wanted to talk about content delivery networks. Going back almost 10 years, I was working for a very popular digital imaging company. We had a big product launch coming down the pipe where Microsoft and CNET's Download.com were going to feature our product. Up until that point, we were doing software distribution through several FTP servers. 
The decision was made to use Akamai's content delivery network, commonly referred to as a CDN, to improve the download process. A CDN is basically the idea of caching frequently accessed content close to the end user. So if a user in North America, Europe, or Asia are all downloading the same content, it will typically be cached closer to them to reduce transit times and ultimately improve user experience and download times. The process to configure the CDN back then was as costly as it was expensive. But in the end, it was a huge success, and we used a large percentage of Akamai's available capacity for a few days. I vividly remember being on a telecon with Akamai engineers working on how to get access to the proprietary logs so we could view our download statistics. Back then, this wasn't a common practice. Fast forward to today, and there are many CDN providers. Using AWS, you can deploy your content to a CDN within minutes with just a couple clicks. You're actually watching this video served off the AWS CDN called CloudFront. So a viewer in North America, Europe, or Asia will typically be hitting a cache copy which is hosted geographically close to them. This service is configured on a pay-as-you-go basis, so there's no ops overhead on my side. I just configure it and forget it. In this final example, I wanted to talk about how stressful it can be to purchase expensive hardware in the hope that it will help alleviate growing pains. At a company I was working for, we were hitting the limits of our database servers, and we needed to move to better hardware quickly. The problem is, how much time will this new hardware buy you? Or how much breathing room will it give you? You have limited options when machines cost tens of thousands of dollars. What I'm getting at is, testing ideas is expensive, risky, and total guesswork. And it's really the last thing you want to be doing when you're spending tens of thousands of dollars of the company's money. So you spec out boxes using some voodoo to predict the memory, CPU, and disk requirements, but in your gut, you do not actually know this will solve the problem, or by how much, without testing it first. So in reality, you're totally gambling, and this is stressful. If it fails, it's on you. Also, what about the delay between specking the machine when it's ordered and when it actually arrives? You move it down to your co-location facility, rack it up, cabling, labeling, install the OS, software, testing, migration, etc. This all takes time. It could be months or more before the upgraded boxes are in place. In this case, IT is definitely slowing the company down. Back in episode number 27, we used an all SSD box with 32 CPUs for several hours to test some ideas. This machine likely cost many thousands of dollars, but we're able to rent it for 7 bucks an hour. This is light years ahead of the situation I just told you about, where it was extremely stressful to test ideas. In the previous example, by the time you finally install the new database servers, you're almost ready to start planning the next upgrade. But with AWS, you're free to test your ideas almost instantly on beefy hardware for an hourly price. And if you use AWS to run your database servers, you can upgrade the hardware without contracts, ops staff responding to hardware issues, racking and stacking, cabling and labeling, etc. AWS allows you to focus on your application and abstracts away all the hardware and many of the issues you need to support that hardware. It also allows you to experiment quickly without massive stress. Personally, this is why I love AWS as a sysadmin. Many of the hardware and capacity issues that I've faced in the past would have been dead simple with AWS, especially given that there's no upfront cost, contracts to sign, or large delays in provisioning new capacity. There's no headaches or long procurement cycles, hardware lifecycle issues like getting rid of old hardware or replacing or troubleshooting existing hardware, 
And what's extremely nice is that you do not need to support the infrastructure for a computer room. Things like internet uplinks, power, cooling, physical security, etc. If you're interested in trying out AWS, they have a free tier which allows you to explore the console and see what types of services they offer. This is extremely useful for getting an idea of how things work. In future episodes, I plan to talk about each service in detail, review common architectures, and look at how you can manage system operations inside the cloud through automation software. I know there wasn't anything too technical in this episode, but I wanted to lay the foundation for future episodes, where we can go into technical details. Alright, that concludes this episode. Thanks for watching. If you would like to get notified about future episodes, please subscribe to my mailing list. You can do this by going to the Get Notified link in the header and entering your email address. Have questions, comments, or concerns about this episode? What about episode ideas? I'd love to hear your feedback, either good or bad. Shoot me an email, justin at sysadmincasts.com.